I want to start off today's micro show with a simple idea. And that is the idea that you cannot stand out and fit in at the same time. Now, if you've never made anything or if you only make what you're comfortable making, I don't care what it is, whether that's a, it's, you know, writing a play or building a business. If you only make those things, but you never share what you're making, you're hiding. And this tends to compound on itself, right? Like once you start hiding, then you stop growing. And once you stop growing, well, we know where that goes. But part of you goes to sleep. Even as I personally reached what I thought was my creative zenith uh, a few years ago, it took an avalanche, me almost dying to reveal that I was aware that inside of me somewhere was a capacity, an even deeper capacity and level of authenticity that I wanted to reach, that I wanted to strive for. And I meet so many people day to day who get stuck at this point without even realizing it. Today's episode is brought to you by Outside. These are the fine people who bring you titles like Outside Magazine, Ski Magazine, The Yoga Journal, Climbing Magazine, Warren Miller Entertainment, and more. Now here's the deal. When I was coming up as an action sports photographer, Outside Magazine was the place to get your photos published. And it still is today. To me, that's absolutely incredible. Except now they also have lots of other ways to get your work out there in the world. Now, specifically what I want to call your attention to today is that I am a judge for the inaugural Outside Awards, the Outside Photo and Film Awards. This is where you can win a ton of cash. If you are one of six finalists, you win $5,000 cash. And then if you are a People's Choice winner, you win an extra $10,000 plus you get a ton of exposure, which I'll share with you in just a second, but I do need to let you know that I'm judging this thing, right? I'm judging this alongside legends like Jimmy Chin. You probably know he's a legendary climber and photographer. He's also the director of the Oscar-winning documentary, Free Solo. I'm also judging with climber Sasha DeJulian, skier Lindsay Dyer, and that legend Olympic gold medal skier, Johnny Mosley. Now, in addition to getting your work seen by these judges, and in addition, to this cash. Whether you're a photographer or filmmaker, you get a chance to get your stuff seen. The filmmakers, for example, the three top winners get to tour with the Warren Miller film for the entire winter and compete for that people's grand prize. So like right there, that's 100,000 people getting to see your film on the big screen. Now there's also all, all sorts of other perks like you get to appear in Outside Magazine, Ski Magazine. So the exposure to these judges, the prizes, the visibility as a photographer or a filmmaker is unheard of. Nothing like this existed when I was coming up and I think this is an amazing fast track for your career as a photographer or a filmmaker. Now, again, the punchline is there is some urgency here. You have to get your entries in by July 31st. That is a hard deadline. And how do you do it? That's a good question. Go to outsideonline.com slash awards. That's outsideonline.com slash awards. Don't delay. You got to get your stuff in by July 31st. Okay, now back to today's episode. To take creative risks, not only once, but again and again and again, this requires getting out of your head and tuning into your heart and to your gut. We talk so much in the show about what it feels like 
what, what pain feels like, what awareness feels like in your head and your heart and your gut. And the heart and the gut, they definitely feel different. And so to do this over and over again, it requires you to be aware of this heart and this gut feeling. You know, our survival instincts, they evolved to keep us safe from saber-toothed tigers. But here's a newsflash for you. Those saber-toothed tigers are extinct, right? We no longer face mortal danger on a daily basis. And instead, what our brains have done is they've started to turn their attention to the things that feel life-threatening, things like recording your first podcast or public speaking, for example, or asking somebody out on a date. But in a misguided attempt to protect us, our brains tell us to fit in. They tell us to make friends, to get along, to get likes. And yet being an artist means standing out. It means revealing yourself, becoming vulnerable to others. Art and creativity, that's truth. And the truth, it cuts both ways. Now, if you followed this show for any amount of time, you probably are already on board with the idea that creativity is a core human function that plays a fundamental role in our health and our well-being. You've heard me go on and on about it. You know, if we do not rev our creative engine regularly, something inside us withers. This is true both metaphorically and practically. Use it or lose it. You've heard the mantra. This is true of both muses and neurons, right? And our neurology. You see, creativity requires real risk. Something has to be at stake for you to get creativity going. What you're doing has to matter. Mistakes should hurt. All those bruised hips and scraped knees taught me how to ride a skateboard, if you know what I mean. And concurrently, if you know what the outcome will be before you start working, or if you don't care what happens either way, what's the lesson? Where's the growth? We improve as artists, as creators by taking chances. And if you never fail to do what you set out to do, not only are you not learning, but you're also not growing. Now, in my mind, mistakes are a sign that you're pushing yourself to limits by tackling meaningful challenges. And you're finding out what the edges are. You're expanding those edges all the time. You know, both at home or at school, at our workplace, we're taught that mistakes are bad and that people who are good at things, they don't make mistakes. But the reality is the truth is, speaking earlier about truth, truth is that the best performers in any field are the ones who routinely take risks, the ones who are willing to face rejection and gamble the money and the acclaim and all of it to keep growing and to stand out. You know, even if we accept the idea that a safe life is a small life, many of us reassure ourselves that we'll take the real risks later, that one day when we're rich enough or successful enough or popular enough, in other words, we'll take risks when it's safer to do so. And this, my friends, is where we are wrong. I can tell you from personal experience that that magical day never comes. You will begin to take risks only when you realize it's more dangerous not to. Success only raises the stakes. It makes taking real risks harder to stomach. Just think about it. Once you have popularity and money, the necessity around creative risks becomes scarier than ever. And worst of all, this trap is a gilded cage to everyone else and even to yourself. It can look as though you have everything you've ever wanted. Now, I'm in some weird way. I'll just leave it at that. One weird, some weird way. I am grateful for that avalanche that almost killed me. Looking back, I can see that if I'd continued my path by making the same 
at the time, safe choices, one after another in hopes of preserving some success that I had achieved at that point, my creativity would probably have slowed to a stop or at least turned into milk toast. And I would have lost touch with what motivated me to work in the first place. Again, the punchline is you've got to be willing to risk what you have or you risk losing it all. Now's the time to decide, right? What price are you personally right now, wherever you are listening to this, what price are you willing to pay to live your best life? Now, especially along my entrepreneurial journey, I have had the opportunity to meet and work with many of the world's greatest venture capitalists. Now, good VCs understand risk. Most startups they know will fail, right? But the ones that succeed more than make up for all of the rest. That's how the venture capital game works. And there are all sorts of other games that work this way. But again, if you if you think about it, it's true. Anyone with some money can become a venture capitalist, right? You can decide to invest in risky um, long shot businesses that who may return insane, you know, ROI. But it's, there's nothing special about that. Anyone with money can become a VC. But continuing ongoing as an investor, remaining a venture capitalist, that means weighing the risks properly so you can keep your seat at the table. It's a lot like Vegas, right? Once your pot is empty, you got to go home. Therefore, keeping your pot full requires some savvy, right? In a weird sort of twisted way, creators can learn a lot from venture capitalists, right? I have always been the advocate that it's the venture capitalists who are learning from the creators. But in this moment, right now, I can say that creators have a lot to learn from VCs in that we are both the capital and the venture, right? We as creators, again and again, we slide our chips, our time, our attention, our reputation. We push them to the center of the table and wager them. Now, to stay in the game as creators, we want to make lots of bets when the stakes are low. But often, too often, I would say, we measure the stakes all wrong. We value our dignity way too highly and our integrity far too little. You see, a creative failure does not cost you much beyond just a little embarrassment. And yet selling out for a quick buck, that can cost you everything. It can cost you your reputation. I can think right now fondly back on a conversation that I had with Seth Godin, and he and I talked about this childhood experience, his, this awareness he had of going bowling with friends. His mom had given him enough money to play a certain number of games at the bowling alley, right? Each game, he came to realize, offered a certain number of roles. That meant like literally every role of that ball mattered, and as Seth tells the story, you just didn't mess around when you knew that every ball counted, right? You kept it simple and rolled as straight as you could. There were no trick shots. There was no experimentation, no play, no funny business. He later, to me, when we were on stage together in New York, he contrasted this idea with the idea of unlimited bowling offered by the era that we're in today. It's true right now, according to Seth, and I have come to agree that on the internet, for example, you're in an arena where you can try things, where you can build things, tweak things, share things as many times as you like and take what I would call endless creative risks with very little remorse. 
I love this concept. You know, it reminds me of the freedom offered uh, by digital cameras over film. I remember how precious each frame was when I only had 36, you know, images on a roll of film. And they contrast that with digital where you can take thousands and it costs you virtually zero. You know, today I can take as many risks as I want with my camera, unlimited exposures. So if you're picking up what I'm putting down, there is no reason to hide. Be bold. Take smart risks. Now is your time. Embrace failure like an old friend. Hey, old buddy. It's me again. I'm back to fail. I respect a wrong move made with confidence actually more than a correct mood without conviction. This tiptoe thing that maybe gets you to where you want to go one time, but that is not a long-term winning strategy. We're told just the opposite. We're told that that's actually how you win. And yet I'm sitting here today. I do not know a single person who is on the list of people that I look up to and respect. And I don't, you you think about the same thing. Your internet heroes or friends or peers that you think are amazing. They have taken more incorrect steps than correct ones. Let's just say you're writing a blog post, you're improvising a scene, or you're putting together a new service offering for your business. I don't know what it is. doesn't matter. The stakes might feel high, but the reality is the stakes probably aren't. And most of these bets that we're making over and over again, we've convinced ourselves somehow that these stakes are high, but they are not. This is why in today's micro show, I want you to go for it. There's something that's in your mind right now as I'm saying this. I want you to go for that thing. If you fail, learn from mistakes and move on and try again. It sounds simple, but as I look around at my my own successes and failures, the successes and failures of those entrepreneurs, household name entrepreneurs that I am close with, they have thought about their lives this way. If you fail, learn from the mistakes and move on. And right now you're saying, or someone out there is saying, maybe not you, yeah, but what about when the stakes are really high, Chase? How should we think of that? Does that mean you shouldn't try? You shouldn't, you know, go in on what you love. And this is a little bit of a trap. I think people get stuck in a dualistic thinking here, right? It's it's either risk it all or play it safe. Successful people got where they are by taking huge swings, right? So if you're not willing to take out a second mortgage on the house to fund your startup, you might as well just quit. That, my friends, is a classic false dichotomy. The most successful people, the most fulfilled people, whether this is in business or performance or anything, they actually learn to weigh the merits of each risk before taking it, and they protect their downside. Sometimes this is invisible, but let me be clear, they are aware of this because they've done this so often that they start to understand what it looks and feels like to protect their downside. If you're playing roulette in Vegas, say, your goal, if you're smart, is actually to have fun as long as you can, right? You have to understand that those, you know, that massive infrastructure out there in the middle of the desert is not there because the house loses a lot. You have to understand that the math supports that the house always wins. This is why having fun as long as you can is a valuable process when you're playing roulette or whatever craps in Vegas. Once you decide how much you're willing to bet, the trick is to maximize your time at the table, right? You might feel like a big shot putting everything on red, but that gives you a 50% chance of heading back to your room to watch TV for the rest of your trip. 
make an array of bets and you get to play a lot longer, right? Serial entrepreneurs have the same mentality. That's what today's show is about, right? Whether you are a serial entrepreneur, you're thinking about starting, or this is just a creative project for you, it doesn't matter. The people who are on the covers of magazines are almost always more risk conscious and risk averse than you realize. Sure, you might get lucky once or twice with a big bet, but your luck eventually will change or run out. And if you want to stay at the table, you have to learn to assess risks and anticipate problems. Let's just take an example. My friend and uh, longtime investor in Creative Live, Richard Branson. So to get Virgin off the ground, Virgin Airlines specifically, Richard made a deal to buy a used 747 from Boeing. Now, I got to say, when it comes to risky moves, like I would say starting an airline is right up there, right? So investing a hundred or so million dollars in any new business venture would be, that's that's a risky move, right? But Branson had been successful over the long haul because he knows how to manage his bets, how to hedge. It doesn't seem like that, right? For example, when he bought this first plane, he actually pre-negotiated a deal to sell it back to the manufacturer and recoup most of the money if the airline didn't, say, take off, right? That part of the story is almost always lost in the media, right? It's glossed over by the magazines or the people who are doing stories about Richard. But what Richard was doing in that moment and what you can do today is to think big and be prepared to mitigate losses. Remember, if you bet everything on red and lose, you're going back to your room. You know, we hear this idea of burn the boats. If you burn the boats, you have to take the island. Yeah, your motivation is going to be high, but the goal here is to play this risk game, to assess risk, to develop creative risk-taking skills, to, to develop the habit of be able to, being able to be more creative. This is a muscle, and you do not build this muscle by one time burning the boats. You have to do this over time, and the way to do this over time is to be aware of all of the stuff that I'm talking about right here, right? You need to be honest and clear about the risks you're taking. Figure out what things cost and how long things will take before you move ahead or shut everything down. So when you consider a project, take out your notebook real quick here because I want you to jot down uh, a couple of these questions that I would like you to ask. Again, any product, project, uh, creative endeavor, What's the goal of this thing that I'm about to do? That's a good question to ask. Why am I doing this? What do I hope to get out of this process, this project? What's the worst thing that might happen if I fail? Now, leave a little space and then write the question, what steps can I take to reduce the risk and mitigate failure? Give yourself another little space, a little break here, and then write the question, is it worth it? Is going for this worth it? Now, every big project, again, whether it's building a business or I'll just call it every big creative project calls for risk assessment because most of us actually risk too little to truly stand out. So my belief and the purpose of this micro show is to help you understand that once you sit down and write out worst case scenarios, it's when you do this exercise that you actually realize the shadowy fears that are circling around your head, they aren't really 
all that concrete or all that overwhelming. They're just fuzzy fears that we have that are undefined. And what that equals is manageable obstacles, right? If you can actually get those on paper, I just went through this with a friend of mine that I'm working closely with on his business, right? These, if we get these things on paper, they become manageable obstacles. Yes, if you take money out of your savings to buy gear for your you know, YouTube channel or whatever, you may get into financial trouble down the road if, for example, both you and your life partner lose your jobs at the same time. Or on the other hand, if the YouTube channel is a major goal for you that lines up with your creative interests and aspirations, what are the things you can do to cut costs? Consider bartering or sharing gear with other videographers renting more expensive gear instead of buying it. Again, it's not a bet at all or bet nothing equation. What are some things you can do to mitigate the risk if the channel doesn't take off? You could always try a different channel concept. You can offer your skills and gear to local companies as a side hustle. There's a thousand, I mean, this is almost, it's almost trite, right? There are so many ways when you frame it like this, you could sell the gear on eBay and recoup probably most of your investment and so on. Right. Once you've labeled these risks and your plans to deal with these risks, my belief and my experience says that your outlook will change. What felt impossible when you were, you know, walking around thinking in your head how hard or scary or risky or whatever this was, if you get it on paper, if you can strategize about it, what felt impossible will begin to feel doable. And hopefully more exciting and, and filled with even more promise than just the idea, right? Today, time is the most common limiting factor to most of our creative ideas. It's more so than money, I would say, thanks largely to technology, right? We have movie cameras in our pockets. We've got recording studios in our laptops. Hey, I'm making this podcast with a laptop open in front of me and a microphone that I can get you know, on Amazon. It could be delivered to me tomorrow. Right? We can publish books with the click of a button. We can start profitable, considerably large online businesses with uh, almost zero dollars, right? With shockingly inexpensive digital tools. And best of all, we can learn how to do most of this stuff for free. It just takes time. That's why time is so important, right? It takes lots of time, to be fair. How much time can you afford to invest, therefore, the question becomes, in making something that matters to you. Obviously, time, therefore, becomes extra precious. And I would encourage you to never risk it blindly. Even on time, do a risk assessment there as well, right? Let's say you wanna write a book, and but between sort of family and work obligations, you never have the time to do it during the day. So one risky choice would be to write it at the office while you're pretending that you're working, hoping that your boss isn't catchy or whatever. That is actually risk to your livelihood, right? That is a substantial risk. And then let's juxtapose that with an alternative, which is how about you wake up at 4 a.m.? Not forever. God, that would be horrible. That is an ungodly hour. We talk a lot about sleep here. I'm not suggesting that. But what if you wake up at 4 a.m. and you get three solid hours of work before the family gets up? And this is not, ever, not forever again. But what if you did that until you achieved the creative goal of having a draft of a manuscript. What if you got up early every day to write for 1.5 years? Let's just say that work leads to you publishing a best-selling book. 
Now, obviously, that is a clear win, right? You can now afford to quit your day job and, and probably write full time. But what if your book bombs, right? What is the downside to that process that you just went through? Well, the downside is, you know, you've given up probably a couple hours of sleep and you've probably given up even more time on the couch at night, staring into your phone or doing something that was not valuable or helpful for you or your health or your family's benefit, you will have at that point, you have proven to yourself that you're able to set a creative goal and meet it, which is absolutely invaluable. It's critical. This is how confidence builds, right? It's compounding. In addition to maybe achieving this creative goal of publishing your book, you will definitely have become a better writer, right? And as you start to understand creativity, this idea of taking and assessing risks, this is about repetition, right? This is about building creative fitness and think of what it would feel like once you've worked your creative conditioning to peak levels. You want to know how so many people that you look up to, respect, admire, and appreciate, they have become successful and fulfilled in the process? It's because of conditioning, right? They have conditioned themselves to peak levels of risk awareness, of risk-taking, of creative projects, of failure, and getting back up again. Let's just say you did create success for yourself in this moment. You worked hard, you got up early, and you were able to get that memoir out the door. You know what? Once you've done that, right, you've, you've, you've captured something invaluable, the understanding that you can do it. You've worked your conditioning to peak levels. Now you can continue to get up early if you enjoy that, or you could try something else. You could go into another creative project, or you can tweak the way that you actually write because now you have time and space in your life, in your schedule, in your work to figure the next step out. That's what this is all about. Hedging your bets frees you up to play, to experiment, to take more risks. So I want to put a bow on this because part of our becoming aware of all this, you know, but everything in today's micro show is about being able to take more risks. So you might want to ask yourself, how can I take smaller risks more frequently? How can I develop my muscle? How can I hedge my bets such that I can be more free to play, to come up with great renegade ideas? to develop my skills, my muscles, my calluses such that I can make my best work or more importantly, build my very best life. So this week, I hope you can think about that. What could you do to unlock a little more creativity in your life? Unlock a few more creative reps, take smaller risks more often to increase your creative potential and the creative possibilities that you have within you. Until next week or next time or the next show that you go on to right after this one, from here in uh, the studio in Seattle, I bid you adieu. All right. Hey, before you go, thanks so much for listening. And if you got value from this show, chances are your community will too, right? In the particular lies the universal. Please share this link to the show with a friend or mention the show on social. That is a huge benefit for us in hopefully in exchange for providing value to you. 
I want you to know that I really appreciate your time, the attention, anything that you give to the show and the questions that you ask our guests either on social media or through my text community. All of that is pure gold. This community, like any community, is a testament to that old phrase, a rising tide floats all boats. And by elevating one another, by sharing and resharing this show, the tidbits that you learn and the experiences you take away, all of that has a collective, massive positive impact on the world. So just a quick thank you. I appreciate all the effort you put into sharing for this show. All right, that's a wrap. Let's put today's episode into practice and get back to growing together. <music>